www.kkup.org. You can go onto our website and stream. Um, hi, everyone. The next show is Out of Our Minds, which is a poetry radio show hosted by me, Rochelle Escamilla, a.k.a. Poetita. So here's some music for you from Los Fabulosos Cadillacs. listening to KKUP Cupertino, um, 91.5 FM. We're here at www.kkup.org too for streaming. Um, I've got a guest here in the studio who's going to be with us for the community calendar. I'm going to test his mic really quick and then we'll get started with the interview. So, uh, Roland. Hello. Hello. Uh, we got you. We got you there. So we know you're plugged in. All right, everyone. Um, Ramo, I'm going to turn you off now. Um, all right, so 
this interview, um, I took this interview a couple, gosh, it must have been in November. I, I was able to sit down with Luis Valdez at El Teatro Campesino in San Juan Batista. Um, I was covering him for their 50th anniversary, which we're celebrating all year long and for however long they want to celebrate because everyone lies about their age anyway. So if he's, uh, you know, celebrating at 53 El Teatro Campesino, then we'll celebrate the 50th all the way until, you know, they're 60. Um, so this is the interview I had with him, and this is normally a poetry radio show. I'm usually um, talking to poets, but as I said, when I took the show over from J.P. Dancing Bear, when he graciously handed me the show, I said that one of the goals I wanted to do was to open up to more than just poetry. I want to open up to the art world and how it functions. Most of the show is poetry, but this is not. So um, here we go. Uh, El Teatro Campesino, San Juan Batista, Luis Valdez. All right. Yeah, no problem. Um, I didn't, I, I'm not, I didn't take Chicano studies because I didn't know that that was available. Oh. Isn't that funny? Neither did I, actually. <laughs> Although I bought the first Chicano. <laughs> I know you did. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, I, I came across, you know, your work, obviously, when I was a little girl in La Bamba. My grandmother and aunts and everyone, we all picked. Um, so La Bamba, and we would, we would uh, play the movie for friends and, and show them, oh, that's the road, that's, we ride on that road, yeah, that, where Bob's riding, that's, that's the hill right there, look, let's go take the La Bamba tour, let's go, let's go look at the hill. Take your relatives, huh? Yeah, yeah relatives, okay. and I even taught, I, I taught La Bamba in China, actually. I, really? I, yeah. Oh. So, where in China was it? Uh, Southern China, Guangzhou. Guangzhou, yeah, Guangzhou. Yeah, 120 million people. Oh, is that all? Okay. <laughs> um, oh, anyway, yeah, La Bamba's really important. So, you're celebrating your 50 years. Yep. 50 years. Yep. What does that feel like? Well, it feels like we started yesterday in some ways. <laughs> Life flies, you know, when you're alive. You know, time flies when you're alive. Um, it's, uh, I guess, maybe the, the reason that, although everyone believes their life is not that long, even if they live to be a hundred, you know, it's just a breath. Yeah. But in terms of the work of El Teatro Campesino, there's still so many of the same problems around that our work continues to have the same kind of immediacy. Mm. And uh, the one good thing, I suppose you could say over the years, is that we know what we're dealing with a lot more now and how to deal with it. And organizationally, we're much more conscious of uh, the process and mm. what it takes, so the, particularly that it's going to take several generations and that you have to prepare for the future by training new people, bringing them along, allowing them to become leaders in their own right, become artists in their own right, to find their own voices. Uh, and yet, uh, support the same ideals right i mean we we we're not into this for the money and mm -hmm. and we're not into this to deceive people mm -hmm. or to be cruel or violent or what have you so many of our basic values remain the same and i can even go back to 
the journals that I kept when I was in college. I spoke about this yesterday at San Jose State. Mm -hmm. When I was 20, I mean, my ideas were already being formulated on the basis of what I was learning and realizing at that time. So my message to the students was that even if they're 20 and just starting out in life, they're finding that their time on campus, in any campus, is really uh, life uh, formative, right? It, mm. it, it lays the foundation for the rest of their lives. And, and so in that sense, um, El Teatro Campesino grew out of the thoughts and ideas that coalesced and congealed in college. And, and then I set them into motion, right? right. And, and then I realized that, okay, there's a lot of work to be done on every level. Uh, if I was, I was going to be a Latino play, there was no such thing as a Latino play, right? There was no such thing right. as Latin American theater in the United States. There was no such thing as Mexican American, Chicano literature. Mm -mm. And so uh, what happens when you're the first one then? Well, well, actually I wasn't absolutely, Jose Antonio Villarreal had written a novel called Porcho that was published mm -hmm. in 1959. And I read that and was very impressed uh, that we had a novel, one novel at least. Mm -hmm that dealt with our experience. And it was set in San Jose, interestingly mm -hmm. enough. And I later met Jose Antonio Villarreal, and I was very pleased to meet him. Um, he was aware of the teatro by then, so we, we we mutually supported each other. It was way back when. It was late 60s, early 70s. But, um, but we uh, again, it was re really obvious that, that we needed to create a whole uh, life support system for what we were trying to do. And uh, in, in that sense, as a playwright, it wasn't enough for me just to be a playwright. I, I made the mistake of asking a friend of mine to direct my first play, one act play, and I didn't like what he was doing. So I, I directed the next production, right? I said, I got, I'm a better director than he is. I can do it. <laughs> and then when I wrote my first full-length play, again, I was looking for a director. And my playwriting professor says, why don't you direct it? He says, no one's going to understand your work as well as you do. Mm. And so that kind of sold me that, that that was what I needed to do with all my work is become my own director. And then on top of that, I found out that even though I was a director and a playwright, there was no place to produce my work. And mm -hmm. so I went up and joined the San Francisco Mime Troupe, but they were only interested to a point. They, they were yeah, not right. going to put me on their schedule. Or they, they didn't make any sense for them, uh, <laughs> really. And, uh, and so <laughs> yeah, I, know. I realized I, I, then I, that I had to become my own producer. And so in that sense, that is when really putting a new twist on the idea of being a producer, I, I went to Cesar Chavez and pitched him an idea. Uh, so I became a, a, of a theater of by foreign farm workers, right? I, yeah. And so it, I, I didn't see myself as a producer. I saw myself as an organizer because mm -hmm. I was, in fact, a labor organizer first. That's the only way I could join the union is to volunteer on the mm -hmm. picket line and then become a picket captain. And once I was a picket captain, I had control of the picket line, and I was able then to begin to build the teatro right on the picket line. And and uh, and so. Uh, Organizer slash producer, right? Mm -hmm. And then uh, we were with the union two years, and and then we found the need that we needed to open up the scope of what we were talking about. The union kept us really focused just on labor issues, which was great. But the war in Vietnam was raging. Uh, I had been draft age all that time, and uh, I had refused to go and... Uh, 
was not drafted uh, because of my politics, and um, mm. but I needed to help other Chicanos also to protest. So, and the teatro was the vehicle. So essentially, mm -hmm. we officially separated from the union, still supportive of the farm workers' cause, but began to introduce then the war in Vietnam, racism in the schools, yes. uh, other issues that were very, very uh, uh, present and immediate and urgent, and so. We began to perform in a lot of more, well, we had always performed on college campuses, but this time with this new focus, began to recruit students. Well, I mean, it, it's it's important because El Teatro Campesino functions, for me anyway, on, on multiple levels because I'm a local and because you are a celebrity in San Juan Batista and Hollister and you're a celebrity to the Chicano movement. Famous all in San Mito County, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you know. Hey, I taught you in China. <laughs> okay, all right. So we got that going. <laughs> all right. <laughs> no, and then I would come across your essays in, you know, teachers at San Jose State that were versed in the works of people of color because back then it was kind of, it, and still is, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a symbolic annihilation of our culture because we're not represented in literature courses. Exactly. We're not, we're not represented because we're not taught and we're not taught because we're not represented and so it's this vicious cycle of an, an annihilation of an entire group of people and so el teatro campesino for me functions as this sort of this this place where i get knowledge where where i get to learn about my own culture that was been has been completely removed from an option for me like it wasn't even an option to learn about chicano unless i wanted to go into chicano studies but if you don't even really know about it why are you going to choose that as, as your life force, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I grew up in Hollister. I didn't learn anything about what it was to be Mexicana, Chicana. My, I knew my grandfather had worked breaking ground at the Health Foundation. He worked with that. He worked with Sanfar. He worked on a couple other things. I knew that I came from a history of people who wanted change and activism to happen, but I didn't wasn't taught it formally, so therefore it was not in existence for me. And I think that's... Why? Well, I feel very honored to speak with you, but also why I feel the Teatro Campesino is a place of education, an absolute place of education, at least for me. Well, there you go. That's that's the next level. See, is is uh, because the the idea of becoming a producer kind of extended itself uh, all the way to the professional world. We learned how to produce not only at the student level, the college level, the campesino level, and the community. But also on tour, and we went on tour, went, you know, went national. Uh, we were in New York within two years of our uh, birth, right, mm -hmm. on the picket line. Uh, we weren't quite professional yet, but we were exposed <laughs> to the professional world. And so one thing led to the other. We came to San Juan because this had tremendous potential for us to set up a school, exactly what you're saying, that we wanted to teach ourselves at the same time that we were going to teach others. And uh, there's a motto that actually got from the Chinese that we incorporated <laughs> to teach us to learn. Mm. And so we practiced that. And when I had students, uh, what I tried to do is to get them to teach right away. Is, is I teach them something, even within the workshop setting, and say, okay, now teach me back what you know. Mm. Mm. You know, what do you know about our exercise system? Why are we doing it? Mm -hmm. And how do you understand it? And then I can tell them whether they understand, you know, mm -hmm. or they have a new understanding, perhaps. It does happen. Mm -hmm. And um, and there's a new wrinkle, a new growth. Mm -hmm. And um, my sons teach 
the vibrant being workshop or, or exercises, mm -hmm. they do it each of them in their own way. I mean, I, I don't limit them and say, okay, you got to do it my way. It's, mm -hmm. They have their own perspective. It's the same area. It's the same philosophical working area, and it's the aesthetic of the Teatro Campesino, but they put their own personal stamp on it, right? And mm -hmm. I think that's the name of the game. And people have come through here over the years and taken the workshop and then gone to teach it somewhere else, and I'm sure they've put their own wrinkle on it. And that's fine, too. It's not something that anybody owns. Right. You know, it's not property. Right. <laughs> it is a legacy that we are passing on. And that, I think, is, uh, it is a real important part of not just the producing element, but the teaching element, the school element. We're a little more deliberate in terms of our educational programs now. Mm -hmm. The last few years, we really solidified what we've been doing, working with the Migrant Ed Program in Salinas and mm. in Monterey County. And uh, all the way down to King City and Greenfield, we, we really work with the campesinos and the children of campesinos, mm -hmm. interact with other people in the, in the whole Salinas Valley, which is great. And we're moving north toward to San Jose. You know, there's a, there's a charter high school that started, and they borrowed my name to, to name it, but we also contributed nice. some concepts. <laughs> so we have a couple of people working on the curriculum, right? They're teachers there. So it extends into the urban area as well. Mm -hmm. More recently, uh, we had that group in Los Angeles, spent a year in and out, giving workshops in Boyle Heights, and then they recently, last weekend, produced uh, Heart of Heaven, right? The Popol Vuh mm, production, yep. a giant puppet play. And that was an enseñanza, right? That was a teaching, again, uh, working with people that have no training, no exposure. And in the program notes, my, my son noted out that uh, in my very first leaflet in Delano, announcing the creation of the teatro, I'd emphasized uh, at the at the bottom of the leaflet, no experience necessary, right? <laughs> if you can walk, if you can talk, you could be in a death row. <laughs> so, awesome. so, so that's that awesome. was, that's like, uh, open the doors completely, yeah. right? And so we have kept our doors open. We're in an old packing shed, right? Mm -hmm. Here in San Juan Bautista. Yep. And, uh, and we mean to keep our doors open so that people can feel they can come here and, and learn and teach both. It, it, uh, to become actor teachers. We become maestros here, yeah. and I think that's a real important part of the calling, an important part of our mission. Yeah, you know, and I, I was going to ask you one of the questions that I had prepared was was to ask you about what's, I mean, what is the center? What was the point in like for you? How how did this idea come to you? Like, what it, when did you wake up and say this is what I want to do? Now you're talking about the process of becoming you, you emerged into all these other roles. But was there something about, something that sparked in you when you were in college, before you went out to pitch to Cesar Chavez? Like, what is it about you that makes you, made you want to do this? Theater, the art, <laughs> the art. People ask me why I want to become a poet all the time. It's a horrible question to ask, so I'm asking it to you. <laughs> <laughs> that could be a horrible question. Okay, you know, the the more that we go along here, uh, I really believe that uh, we don't necessarily choose a profession or a path in life for ourselves. The path chooses us. It it works both ways, and I mean that in a very literal sense, if, if, in terms of our ancestors. That you look back, and certainly we're talking about Mexican farm workers or Mexicans in general, right? Yeah. Uh, what Mexico has gone through has been. Uh, uh, has been a tremendous uh, evolution and challenge and revolution and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, a gauntlet, really, <laughs> a historical, political, and human gauntlet. You know, it involves a lot of 
suffering, but also a lot of triumph, a lot of spiritual and mental triumph, and um, spiritual and physical triumph over the fields, over over the conditions of life, you know. Mm. And so I'm very aware, I believe in genetic memory, so I, I'm very, I feel my ancestors mm. within me, you know, and my dad was an orphan. His father died when he was 12. He never got to get past the fifth grade. He had to go to work, support his mother and his brothers and sisters. Of course. And so he, but he valued education. I mean, there was no way around it, but he he, he brought books home. You know, he mm -hmm. bought an encyclopedia with migrant farm workers, and we used to <laughs> be on the fields. And everywhere we went, we had an encyclopedia Britannica with us. It was amazing. <laughs> and that's what, that was our TV at night. We, we yeah. had no other, no other, we'd get to the books and, and look at the books. We couldn't read half of them because it was an encyclopedia when we were kids, but we see the pictures. Anyway, the thing is that before my dad, there was my grandfather who died at 38, and I have a picture of him and his brother. There's only one or two pictures of him left, but it's a picture taken about 1910 in Nogales. Mm. And he and my dad used to say, "You look a lot like my father," you know. And I said, "Whoa," mm. when I was younger. But he, he, the fact is, yeah, I I do look a lot like my grandfather, same stature. But then I look at his face, and I see all my brothers and sisters. I see, my, I say, "Wow, this is the fountain. This is where right. we came from." And I look at this curious little glint in his eye, you know, the smile, and I'm saying, "Wow, he's me. I'm, I'm he's in me. He lives mm. in me." And and it wasn't, and I don't know anything about his background. I know that he was a striker in Cananea. He was a copper miner, mm. which led to his early death because he developed lung disease. Yeah, yeah. But he had to, the 1905 strike kind of did it for him in Cananea. It started the Mexican Revolution. But then he had to go to work for the railroad. He couldn't work in the mines anymore. He was 18, 19. And, uh, and then he, it, it, the railroad wasn't very good for him either. So mm. he went to work in the fields, maybe hoping that, you know, being out in the open, he could breathe mm. but he, he he succumbed he died of double pneumonia in 19, uh, 1924 uh, but I don't I know nothing about his background but here's what happened is it back in 99 I was commissioned to write a play for the San Diego rep so mm -hmm. I had a play that I wanted to do in honor of my mom's memory and uh, went back to Sonora was where my family's from to see the Yaki Easter ceremony mm -hmm. and I had never seen the Yaki Easter ceremony but the moment that I saw it I recognize it. I said, I've seen this before. This is me. <laughs> yeah, and I thought about my grandfather. I said, I wonder if my grandfather was in this. You understand? Yeah, yeah, I do. I wonder if he wore a mask. I wonder if he participated. It's religion, but at the same time, it's theater, it's teatro. Yeah. And, I, and if he didn't, maybe uncles, maybe others did, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because I really sensed that these were my roots. I had never connected with them before. So then, you know, you can go back centuries that way. You can go back, look at your people, and you say, okay, what were the expectations of all my people, you know? And why did they come north anyway? They wanted a better life. They wanted to secure certain things. Mm -hmm. Why did my family, after my grandfather, I come to California? You know, they wanted to secure something. Mm -hmm. And then, okay, so here I am, one of the very few people in my family, they finally graduate from high school, then goes to college. And so you feel this responsibility, right? Not just to your immediate siblings <laughs> and your parents, mm -mm. to all of your ancestors. You say, okay, what can I do then with this gift that's been given to me of education? I want to help my people. And so what is my purpose? My purpose is to, is to do theater. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, you know... Um, <laughs> 
I can't say. I mean, that's I, I. I deal with this all the time too. I just. I mean, you know, when when people say, "Oh, she has a master's degree in poetry," <laughs> and you're like, "Yeah, I know that was my choice." <laughs> but you know, the odd thing is that I wanted I wanted to ground it. I wanted to make it real, right? Yeah, yeah, I did exactly. not. I did not. I mean, even though I studied, uh, my favorite period was the 1930s, uh, American theater, right? Mm-hmm. The political theater of the 1930s really appealed to me because mm-hmm. I said these are political issues, and and I know poverty. You know, my family lived in the depression until the 1950s. You know, with the Great Depression went on with us. Uh, <laughs> The Has it ended? <laughs> exactly, and so and so I was and that all that stuff really resonated with me, and so I said there is a way for me to pursue my love of the arts and my love of the theater, and at the same time try to make for social change. Yeah, if I can create a theater of political and social change, right? Yeah, and, right. And so and I, but I had to dream it up because it hadn't hadn't really existed. There were teatros campesinos during the Mexican Revolution. Okay. I learned. They used to go out into the countryside to teach campesinos how to brush their teeth and how to delouse their children. Oh. Okay. <laughs> so like PSAs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so the government would send these out. And, 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 and I was very moved by reading Jose Vasconcelos and La Raza Cosmica during the 1920s because I think that a new kind of Mexican identity emerged out of the revolution mm-hmm. in the arts. And it was Jose Vasconcelos who was the Minister of Culture and Education. He's the one that supported all the murals. Okay. Diego Rivera, you okay, know, Jose yes, Clemente mm, yes. uh-huh. And so I identified with that. Now, that was the 20s. You know, way before I was born, I was thinking, okay, how can I make that happen here? How can I help to make that happen here? And yeah. let's revisit the 20s. Let's, yeah. And it was, by then, it was the 60s. <laughs> so so how can we make bring all of the, the images and all of that desire and those dreams back into, well, into the United States for the first time? Well, we have like enough Mexicanos here now that we can make a difference. Yeah. And uh, and so uh, all of that kind of combined, you know. And the Teatro Comisino found a ready audience in Delano, to be said, to be sure. But once we began to tour to the cities, we found we don't only appeal to Chicanos; we can appeal to anybody. To, to anybody. Yeah, they're all responding, and and that was a great thing. But you know, as always, I mean, you have to stay up with the times and. And you, you, you have to prepare carefully and do it sensitively, which is why the idea then of coming to San Juan and setting up a school here, mm-hmm. an environment where we could create in peace and quiet mm. without the kind of raucous mm. atmosphere that we were experiencing in Fresno. We used to be in Fresno. Yeah, I saw that. And it was a little too... Well, Fresno's not a big city. It's a big city, but it's not a real no. urban, urban city. It's no. a rural city, right? Yeah. And and but even there, it was there were a lot of distractions, and so we needed to be able just to refocus on the work itself. So mm-hmm. fortunately, we got a brave group <clears throat> of volunteers who joined the teatro at that time, came from all over the state, and were here during the nineteen seventies. And uh, we became a teatro campesino here, out of uh, teatro campesino de Aslan, right, coming out of yeah. San Juan. Yeah. And and creating new works, collective works. We mm. worked out of the old warehouse down the street until we got this place. Mm-hmm. And uh, 10 years over there, then it's been more than 30 years here. So um, it, it was like, um, it was like setting up a home. And, and, but from here, actually San Juan is so centrally located. Oh yeah, we, we got a good spot here. Yeah, <laughs> that it, that it. <laughs> that it allowed us to really work the range. And also, I see it as a four roads because 
Well, West, we got Watsonville, which has been a tremendous resource to us in terms mm -hmm. of people and friends and artists. Mm -hmm. And it's lovely, you know, it's, it's mm -hmm. close to the ocean, Sunset Beach and so forth, you know. <laughs> and, and Santa Cruz, to be sure, in the university. We taught at the university. Mm -hmm. And then, and then uh, well, east of us is Hollister. We're right here. <laughs> we're very close to Hollister. Draw many people and friends and support from Hollister. And then Gilroy, and then Salinas. You know, we're, yeah. we're, the four points are all around us. It's really... And then by extension, Monterey, San Jose, San Francisco, and even L.A. and San Diego. You know, it begins to then, and then right over Pacheco Pass, the whole San Joaquin Valley. Uh, yeah. Back to Fresno and, and, and Bakersfield. Mm -hmm. These are areas that we continue to touch. Modesto always is calling us, Sacramento. So we're able to work the state from here, and we're very close to the freeway system that allows us to get on the road and go, right? Yeah. So, it actually, it was a wise choice. It wasn't as wise as I'm making it seem because it was, <laughs> we were invited here. Manny Santana bought the property that became Jardines de San Juan. Okay. And he had the little theater. Okay. And he knew our work because he had seen it in Santa Cruz. And we had been his guests at his restaurant in Aptos. Okay. He fed us all free, you know. It was wonderful. <laughs> well, what else do you so need? So when he beckoned, you know, and he said, I have this little theater in San Juan, I said, oh, my God. And we went to see it. It was... I fell in love. It was like I didn't want to leave, you know. We came here in the summer of 71, my wife and I, and we had no desire to go back to Fresno after the weather was better here, <laughs> you know. We were, oh, yeah. we were tired of the fog, not to put the valley down, so I was born there. And the heat, and it just seemed to me it was more, much, it's much more livable environment here, right? Yeah. It's beautiful. We're but. super lucky in San Juan Batista. Totally. And, and I live, I live at the end. I'm actually going to stop the show right there, even though it's not the best part of the show to stop. I'll get better at this over time, I, I promise. Um, so what I'm going to do right now is we're going to go into the community calendar. And usually the community calendar is reserved for things that are happening in the community. You can email me, um, message me, find me on Facebook, whatever, and send me your information about things that are happening in the area, Bay Area, Salina, Santa Cruz, Monterey, Hollister, Hollister. Hollister. <laughs> so we've got Roland Remo Resendez in the house tonight in the studio, and he's here to talk to me about the mural project that's happening in Hollister. Yeah, right now. Hi, Rochelle. Hi, Remo. I'm going to call him Remo, even though his name's Roland. I'm calling him Remo. A lot of people do. You're not the only one. So. All right. So tell me a little bit about what you're... We, we, we talked a little bit before. We're going to talk about what you've already done what you're doing, and why you think it's important for the community. Yeah, so uh, public art's always been in existence in Hollister. Uh, not so much so up until, I think, recently, about a year ago or so. Or it's gained popularity now. A lot, of, a lot more popularity and a lot of community support out there. Um, my partner and I decided to embark on, a, on painting the utility boxes, just like you see all over like Santa Cruz, San Jose, mm -hmm. and whatnot. That, that whole movement is becoming real popular, even internationally. And we thought, let's bring it to Hollister, you know, right. let's make it happen. Um, so we started with a, with a small five boxes right down Main Street. Um, we call it a pilot project just to see, you know, what kind of attention we got from it and how successful it was. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm super grateful that I was able to be part of that project. And Luis Valdez was also part of it. Luis Valdez. Yeah. Such <laughs> an honor to, uh, to be able to work <laughs> alongside him and just hearing him speak. I've met him, you know, numerous times and he's 
I just love listening to his stories. Yeah, I, you know, he's really a hero to a lot of us who are working in the community, and um, and that's really important. But so you've done the utility uh, box mural project, and that's in downtown Hollister. And you got like a little bit of popularity. I mean, you talk, you tweeted with Asai Morales. Right? Yeah, actually, it was Lou Diamond Phillips oh, that tweeted Lou. us. Yeah, oh. yeah. So um, what we did is we kind of wanted to pay tribute to Luis Valdez and La Bamba, and right in the middle of downtown, we put this beautiful La Bamba box. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to get permission from Sony Columbia Pictures for that because Luis doesn't own the yeah, images no. and whatnot. So um, I had to get permission from the actors and whatnot. So I did. I had I had a little bit of a, you know, social media conversation with a couple of the guys that are on the yeah, box. Yeah, that's yeah. really cool. That was really yeah. exciting. I mean, uh, like I said in the interview with Luis Valdez, La Bamba is a really important part of the cultural history of Hollister. Big time. Big All time. right. So that's what you did. And what are you doing now? What is it that you're working on now? So uh, what we're embarking on now is there's um, a couple of local artists in town, one of them by the name of Philip Ray Orobuena. Mm-hmm. He led a, a, a little, well, not a little, but he led a recent, I would say, mural project there in Hollister. Mm-hmm. And then my partner, Joel Esqueda, mm-hmm. he you know, collaborated with me alongside to do the utility box. So what we came up with basically is Philip got a private owned piece of property out there mm-hmm. and it's there's a huge wall and it's like an abandoned like an abandoned property or whatnot yeah well I, w- I was going to talk about this a little bit because that property which is in the front of hill street in on downtown hollister or san benito street not downtown a little bit a little bit north Just um a bit, yeah. That property used to be the house that my mom grew up in. There used to be a fish market there. And on top of the fish market, there was an, ap- uh, an apartment that my, gra- my mom and her nine brothers and sisters and my grandpa and my grandma lived in. And so I know all the stories about like all the hauntings and yeah, all kinds of other yeah. stuff that happens like around that story. So for years, I could... I could never imagine what the fish market in the house looked like. I haven't seen photos of it, but I've stared at that blank space i stared at that parking lot yeah. with that big blank wall yeah. that has a, a dilapidated used car sign yeah, on it yeah yeah that's which i said I, reminds me and my husband of the game fallout because it looks okay. like it's like falling it apart. is it's, it's it's on its last leg for and, sure and so 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 philip uh you know got you know, it's now he's he's doing it and you guys are doing it. You're yeah. Gonna... Yeah. Philip had a vision that, you know, that he had approached Joel on and we really wanted to make it come to life. Basically take that piece of property and, you know, in a number of ways, revitalize what it once was. If you go up on the top of there, it's beautiful. There's you know, I can imagine how your family grew up in that area, because just going up there, you can really see. You know, the beautiful right on the hillside right there. It's a Mm -hmm. huge canvas for a public art project. And I think it's going to be the biggest one in Hollister. Well, and, and, you know, there's a lot of popularity gaining on the Facebook page. And, oh, my gosh, it's like every day. And, you know, all of this work that you guys are doing is really important. I don't want to talk about why I think it's important. But I want you to talk about why mural projects and community art programs or projects are important to the community. Yeah, so I think it, it basically ties back to community engagement projects. And basically it's, you know, it's the community stepping up and say, hey, this is our this is our community and we care about the way it looks. We don't want yeah. um, you know, an abandoned parking lot to, you know, be known for the wrong reasons. We don't, you know, it's it's in a prime real estate location <laughs> and let's do something with it. Let's let's unite, let's beautify our city. Just like we did with those old drab looking utility boxes. So pretty yeah. much I feel like we have, you know, these newer up and coming artists and it's kind of like the dream team, mm-hmm. you know, of uh, public art. 
Yeah. And, you know, I mean, and, 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 and it's extremely important, even though, you know, it doesn't always get the kind of attention in the community as it should, but it's extremely important for a number of reasons. Um, I believe that I've read something that you wrote about, um, about how public art sort of, um, dissuades graffiti, graffiti, it dissuades crime uh, crime because people take pride in the community that they build together. Yeah, for sure. And just like Luis Valdez was saying earlier, it's not for like some kind of monetary gain or any personal (laughs) gain. No, it's because, (laughs) you know, we care about where we live and where our kids are growing up and we care about, you know, about, you know, the beauty of, of of our mm-hmm, city, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why, you know, here at KKUP, um, you know, that's why we all do this for what we, we are volunteers. We don't get paid. No, I don't yeah. get paid for what I do here at KKUP. And I, and, and that's okay. And I still love to come to work every Wednesday night to come and do this. And all the people who have been working so hard for years to make the station a thing mm-hmm. work because their hearts are in it for the community. They want to give good music. Yeah. They want to give yeah. good programming and they want to yeah. provide. And, and that's what's so great about this project is that we have, you know, one community member that, that took the lead on it. And from that, he's gaining a lot of support on, on the Facebook page mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. through the community just today. Yep. And they've been working on it for, what, just a couple days? Just but, a couple days. Yeah, so... Um, it's just really taken off. The community really likes, you know, what we've done in the past. And I think, you know, they're excited to see what's coming up in the future. There. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, for those of you who are listening in the Bay Area or in not Hollister, I mean, Hollister is the kind of place that I really like like to say that it's up and coming in a lot of different ways. I mean, we are... In a poem I wrote, I said, we're the last bite before the pass. We're the last spot before you get into the mountains. Mm -hmm. And that's true. Mm -hmm. And now we have pinnacles that, you know, people do have to drive through our town, through the bypass to get them there faster. But when they go and when they come back, they can stop in our downtown. They can see the things that you're working on and they can see that there's a community and hopefully the visual art and beauty that you guys are trying to bring to the city of Hollister will bring those people who are driving through to yeah. Pinnacles. Yeah. And then they'll say, Hey, I heard there's a yeah. La Bamba box or I heard that there's some art project. Let's go see. And I, I think that's what we're focusing on is the bigger picture. Not so much like, you know, it's like, what can we contribute to our little community that we live in? And, you know, just analyze and look at what's in the future for, for it like you can turn it into a public art hub you Mm -hmm, can you know mm -hmm. canvas all the art boxes you can wrap them you can build sustainable programs yeah and you can have programs that like today you guys had some helpers today right we have a couple minutes left here for Uh the community calendar and then we'll get back to the interview with Luis Valdez but so who did you have out helping you today so um there's there's a group of youth um just kind of like a you know just like a youth mentorship a community mm-hmm. service organization. They're not. They're not five hundred one c three or anything. Just a mom put together a, mm-hmm. you know, a group. It's called the Hollister Kids Crew. Mm-hmm. They're mostly known for like kendamas. They like to play with the kendamas and mm-hmm. stuff. And mm-hmm. they put on a couple of things. But yeah, they came out and they helped us all day long. We were so thankful to have them. Um, you know, because it's hard work. It's just three of us out there. But if you yeah. get three other kids out yeah. there, they really pulled their weight and helped us out. They fed yeah. us lunch. It was, you know, a good time. Had that's, that all. Yeah, that's I mean, that's that's the point. That's and I think that's kind of what Luis Valdez was talking about in the interview when he said that even though he chose theater, just as even though I chose art and even though you choose mur- this mural project, mm-hmm. um, we're trying to bring it down to the people. Like we're trying mm-hmm. to bring it like these Glass are actual roots. kids yeah. with their little tennies on the floor mm-hmm. 
-hmm. picking up trash, helping you clean the wall, helping you prime, Mm -hmm. helping you get ready. I mean, this Mm -hmm. is real work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Community supported work. Yeah. And like you said, it's something that's really ingrained in our hearts and something that we care about. Uh, We had another visitor come out today, too. Do we have time to talk about that at all? Yeah, we have about a minute. Okay, so um, the Community Foundation of San Benito County stopped by and, you know, they've seen what we're doing and whatnot. Um, and they pledged to, to pay for all of our supplies because we were just funding this project on our own and everything. So that was really very generous and supporting of them. And we well, really appreciate that. Well, that's good. And yeah. I mean, we're not we we don't want to talk too much about money, Absolutely, but but yeah. artists need to get paid. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> artists yeah, need to get paid much. for the work that they do. Well, anyway, let's. Um, so I was just speaking with Roland Remo Resendez. Um, who is working on a community arts program, a project in Hollister. If you want to see it, it's in Hollister. If you want information, where should they go? So uh, we have a group Facebook page. You can just go to the search and type in public art and community engagement in Hollister, California. I know it's kind of long. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Okay. Public art. You can connect with me, Rochelle Escamilla, and I'll lead you in if you want that. Uh, You can connect with uh, Roland on his uh, Facebook and he can lead you into um, and for now, we're going to get back to Luis Valdez. Thank you, Roland. Thank you. La Bamba was known and the, yeah, all that stuff. But That's anyway, right, yeah. yeah, but I, I chill out. I hang out in San Juan Batista, one, because I write for the Mission Village Voice and I'm doing a lot of work with Ann Catano and, and trying to build a community newspaper yeah. that really feels like arts and culture. I'm calling it arts and culture because that's what I feel like it is. Very good. That's beautiful. Yeah. So doing that, but man, I tell people, I I went to the other side of the country to Pittsburgh and I went to the other side of the world to China and I saw Thailand and all that stuff. I still want to come home. Mm. I still still want to be between Fremont's Peak, Mount Santa Ana with the West open to me. Still want it. This is where I want to be. And I, I think there's something to be said about maybe developing artists in such romantic atmosphere. <laughs> yeah, I, I was telling my wife that maybe the drought had been a reality check because oh, the yeah, hills have been right. so dry. You know, I mean, they, oh. it, it hurts me to see them so dry. You know, yeah. they always turn brown, of course, every year, <laughs> but then they turn green. And, yeah, and it's been a while since we've had green, right? And see all these hills turn mm-hmm. green is such a beautiful thing. I know, and but, with that fire running that's running the other night. Yeah, and then it's... you know maybe the rains will bring mudslides this year. Who knows, right? They're having them in L.A., you know. Well, they're saying, yeah, they're saying that El Nino is supposed to come. That's what I keep hearing everyone saying, and I'm thinking, oh man. I but mean, you good, know, they still but... be here. Someone will be what it is, right? It, <laughs> it's beautiful, and 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 also um, for some reason it doesn't grow, right? <laughs> It's got like its DNA won't allow it to grow. Let's, let's just hold, let's not. Go. <laughs> it, it, exactly. I know they're trying to build houses. They're building houses now, know, you know. And and they're looking at it, you know, uh, you know, and uh, like a pack of wolves, you know, a little lamb, you know. I said they would like to tear it apart, but but I hope they don't because it, we need and I really need to talk to more people that are involved in the future of someone that they need to know what they're trying to preserve here, right? That it it. And it could be a lot more comfortable and livable for everybody if if there were a different situation downtown. I mean, yeah, first on Third Street, right? Yeah. Just uh, not only historical preservation, but I think in terms of what are the services? What do we need? You know? Yeah. What do we need? Yeah, and and not just uh, yeah. We could that, use I mean, some more outdoor cafes or that kind yeah, of thing, right? Yeah. But that would attract. Definitely. But Vertigo came in. That coffee shop's pretty fantastic. Yeah. I really like it yeah. down there. 
Well, they're really dedicated. I admire that. Yeah. They, they've, they've stuck to it, you know. And that's one of the, you need commitment. We admire commitment after 50 years. That's <laughs> a real value for us. Stay committed, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 hard work. It's hard work making making a life in this area for sure. My grandfather came here with the Bracero program. That, that's what the book is about, kind of what it was like to hear the stories of my my grandparents coming through and and what the kinds of language the kind of language I heard about myself and then when I went to Pittsburgh Where do you come from which part of Mexico? Uh Aguascalientes. Oh yeah. Nice. So yeah. Aguascalientes. Historical. Yeah, and then my grandmother he picked up my grandmother in El Paso. Okay, good. <laughs> and then brought her up and I guess they just I remember a story about him wanting to be between the two mountains, which is what I like too. But um you know, I, it's just, I don't know. When I went to University of Pittsburgh, and it was the first time in my life that I had been exoticized. In other words, they saw me and they thought, Mexican! Right? And everything that comes with it, right? Yeah. Um, and, and not that that, you know, is not accurate but it it wasn't it, it's not the way that i wasn't their minstrel in it but they yeah. wanted me to be yeah. yeah and you know i would hear things like oh can you write any poems about anything other than being mexican like yeah. do you know how to write from what the white perspective <laughs> I, and you know and my my education was eurocentric i mean i know that i i when i think about at the campesino i think about oh yeah well i remember in shakespeare's days they used to do plays like that and then i think why do I go to Central European? But because that was my education. They gave me a European education. And then when I went to grad school, I kept asking, well, well, who do I read? Like, I read Luis Valdez. Who else do I read? Come on. Give me other people to read. And none of my professors, they didn't know. They don't know who to read. They don't know who in Mexico or what to do. None of them. No one has a specialty. Well, that's just ignorance. No one, that's yeah. A, that's all. Just yeah, it's just, it's frustrating. It's, it's just frustrating. And that's why I think El Teatro and... Everything that you've done. I mean, it really impacts the Chicano, the educated, everyone, not even just the educated. From the from my mom, who has a fourth grade education from Hollister, to me, who can analyze whatever you want me to analyze. I mean, mm-hmm. It, I mean it's really important, and I love that. So thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> No, it, it, you know, what's interesting is that, uh, well, we base ourselves on, um, on Mayan philosophy here. You know, we started, it's been mm. 40 years now, but uh, we've in- incorporated these concepts because they seem to be the finest distillation of our reality and what we were really thinking and feeling, and, but no one had put a voice to it. No one, it's like a poet, no one had put the word to it, you know, and... Domingo Martinez Paredes, a Mexican scholar, Yucateco, Maya Yucateco. Uh, we discovered him in the 80s, and, and I found his books, and very, he's a very scholarly professor, but uh, I began to apply his, his ideas, and they made sense. And so we call ourselves, I'll be talking actually, where, Stanford? I'll be, okay. I'll be talking Stanford, I'll be talking University of San Francisco. Okay. They all want titles. I did Berkeley, you know. <laughs> But El Teatro Campesino Theater of the Mind Sphere is, is one of my talks coming up. And the Mind Sphere is really zero, because I have this other, other talk I call the power of zero. Because mm-hmm. zero is the Mind Sphere. The Mayans saw 
zero as a sphere, as, as, as what they called an empty fullness and a full emptiness. And in a way, that's what we were looking for in San Juan. Mm. We were looking for an empty fullness and a full emptiness. And uh, I don't know if you know who Hugo Rascón Banda is. He's, mm -hmm. He passed away, but he's one of the greatest modern Mexican playwrights. You know, he just died a few years ago, a couple of years ago. But he came here. He was like the president of the SOHEM, the Sociedad General de Escritores Mexicanos. And he came here to invite me personally to go to Mexico, which I finally did because he, we contacted two other means. But he, without telling us, he came here and he was shocked that there was nothing here. <laughs> he told me the story that he mm -hmm. called. He called back to Mexico and he says, "No hay nada." <laughs> No hay nada. <laughs> I mean, he was well, shocked. He was shocked. Come what year was this? <laughs> this is about ten years ago. Oh okay, yeah, well, same thing. So, 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 yeah, coming coming from from uh, Mexico City, I can understand the sentiment, you know. But it cracked me up. But again, he didn't understand. Uh, yes, no hay nada. But I told him also everything is here, right? Nothing mm -hmm. and nothing. Uh, nothing and everything. Yeah. A full emptiness and an empty fullness. Yeah. And that's harder to find in a big city, although it exists there just as well, but because of all the run run, all the noise mm -hmm. and the distractions. In L.A., people go there and say, okay, I want to be rich and famous, mm -hmm. and they can't find themselves in all the chaos, oh, right? Yeah, yeah. Whereas here, you find yourself. And we've had people from L.A. come, and they have to decompress. <laughs> now, it takes them a couple of weeks, actors, you know, because they go to the... <laughs> like, what do I do? They get the bends, you know. They 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 they, they withdrawals, you know. And, <laughs> and we've been here long enough so that one time we had a a payphone in the in the lobby. Okay, we actually the the AT and T put a payphone in the lobby because the actors had to call their agents, right? And they were always because we we couldn't let them use our phone all the time. And they weren't these phones anyway, the other kind. But anyway, the, the rotary phone. And, and, and eventually, though, they kind of hung up the phone and began to settle. Calm down. Settle. And, and finally, they were part of San Juan. They began to see, right? So in a way, I mean, it takes that. You have to... Let go. You have to let go and you have to settle into yourself, you know, as mm. an artist and, and if you're trying to do anything. And, and San Juan is... It's still a beautiful place to do that, and mm. uh, and there are ways to enhance that experience. Uh, to make it just a little, not doesn't have to be fancy. Doesn't have to be. We don't have to become Carmel, you know, not at <laughs> no. all. Uh, we, Please but, no. <laughs> exactly. But uh, I, I I don't like to see the, the businesses running out of business, going out of business here. You know, the future of San Juan is going to depend on a sustainable uh, uh, vision for the mm. the town. That also connects with its history, right? That mm. values its history and does not uh, demean it. I'm concerned about the mission now, the $14 million yes, dollar yeah. restoration. We are going to uh, help some with some fundraising with our Pastorella show this year. Going into next year to see what we can plan for next year. You know, I'm some serious fundraisers. And, uh, and I mean, they need a lot of help. And, and we need mm -hmm. to help it because we can't allow the mission to go no, extinct, you know. No. And, uh, and there will be people that will donate. And $14 million in the final analysis 
is not that hard. Uh, you know, not for a mission, not not, not for, for a mission, and not for and and not for the mission as a representation or the symbolic representation of the entire area, like this the the historical cultural representation of that. You know, it's it's. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to talk. Well, I need to talk to my son, who's in. He's a producing artistic director, Kenan. I don't know if you know Kenan. I've I know his name, of course, and I know. His oh, you know. Oh, well. But I. But I'm. I'm. He's a lovely yeah. human being. You're going to love talking to him. But um, yeah, because we were planning you before he left, and um, but the idea is that we do want to do more stuff during the year in the mission, and the fundraising would be a perfect reason to focus, right? And. Uh, uh, Calderón de la Barca did a classic play called Gran Teatro del Mundo. I don't know if you know. It's a piece that was religious drama, you know. But mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. it's like the Virgen play. It's like yeah, yeah. And we could add music and and you know and do it as a fundraiser for the mission, you know, during the oh, summer. Yeah. And oh, I yeah. think that we, we're talking about the Passion play again. You're talking certain things that we can do in order to to help support the mission. Well, I have to tell you, La Virgen de uh, Tapayac is Tepeyac, that. Yeah. Tepeyac. Um, I saw that play for the first time when you guys played it last year, and it was phenomenal, mm. absolutely phenomenal. And I kept saying to my husband all night, "I'm like, why is this not on Broadway? Why is this not on Broadway? <laughs> like, this—it's a fantastic play, fantastic play. Oh, well, it's it a, gives it's, me chills. But it's in the right place. It's in the right, mission. right. It is also the, the fact mission. that it's in the mission. You're right." And, and right. I mean, it could be, and it is actually, it's in Los Angeles. We had a group of actors that we recruited from Los Angeles. And then our play was done in L.A. by the Latino Theater Company. And then they wanted to do it in L.A. And I, I asked them, well, develop your own version, which they did. They have a version that they do at the cathedral there in L.A., mm -hmm. right? It gets a lot of attention. They do free performances, one or two or three, you know, mm -hmm. in December. Mm -hmm. um, but the fact is that it's inspired by our version. I mean, it's really a copy, you know. But uh, but the An thing emulation is, emulation is the correct. Yeah, but the, but the thing is that um, I love the fact that uh, it's in the mission and the calling came, you know, for for the mission. Yeah. That the three naves in the basilica. There, there aren't any churches that allow that. This is. Uh, it's, that that you surround the people, you know, and also all those adobe bricks were built by Indian hands, right? There's yeah. these, it, the natives that were here, and so yeah. it's an homage to them as well, and all the more reason why we have to help to preserve because again, it's right on the earthquake, right on the San Andreas Fault. Oh, I know that. <laughs> and uh, it needs uh, it's, it it needs all the help that it can get. So yeah, well, I mean, we're we're definitely here. We're an ally. At you know, the Mission Village Voice is really working hard to make sure that we, and and in some senses, it's my job to make sure that the Chicano and the voice of, of, the, of the people of color in the area gets heard. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> and I met her at the library and I said, I'm a writer. I'm not doing anything. What do you need? <laughs> so that's what we've been building it. We're, we're trying to build this. this well, we knew Leonard, magazine. of course, for years and years and years, right? And he, mm -hmm. he sold us our first house. And we opened mm -hmm. up a realty office where Doña Esther's is. He had a, a, a little section there. Yeah. Um, but I used to, actually, in his last years, I used to run into him on my walk over here by the cemetery. Yeah. walking a dog, right? He, was, he got progressively older and older, like right. we all do. And, uh, I think he passed. But he was a dynamic guy. He, uh, he got a lot accomplished for San Juan. And uh, 
his politics were Republican, his politics were very conservative, but, and he distrusted us. He and a lot of the old timers thought we were communists when we came in. They said, he's communist, we're moving into town. They're going to oh, bring okay. in Chavez, they're going to bring in the union. <laughs> and they wouldn't rent to us, you know, at the beginning yeah. with. But then we began to melt the ice. We really yeah. did. And uh, eventually they all came around. They became supporters, you know, of, of the teatro. And, yeah. uh, but that's just the nature of small towns. And, yeah. uh, and I think that uh, with that kind of settling in goes the passing of the legacy and passing of responsibility. The, 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 the Catanos uh, are part of the Portuguese phrase. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of Portuguese, Italians and Portuguese. They came mm-hmm. as immigrants, right? And right, right. And they, they weren't were... the original immigrants here, but they arrived, and then they turned to the century, they became... Uh, Assimilated. They became San Juan. They became oh, yeah. the leaders of San Juan, right? And John Crovea, he used to have um, the old shoe shop here on 3rd mm-hmm. Street. And when we did La Bamba, um, when we had the production meetings, we were scouting for locations and stuff. Uh, my wife happened to mention to our costume uh, designer that there were old clothes in San Juan. So she came and went to John Crovea's, and he had the three stores. He had three storefronts connected. So you'd go through his shoe shop into the back to his mother's kitchen, where she was always cooking, and, and there you could smell the food coming. And his brother was always sitting at the table, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and then you'd go through a hallway into the other two segments, the two storefronts, and so uh, Silvia, the name of the costume designer, came, and and she was amazed because there were stacks, stacks upon stacks, of clothes that he had bought and not sold. He, he warehoused them since the nineteen fifties. <laughs> so she found chinos. She found. <laughs> she found everything. The clothes in La Bamba came from San Juan Bautista. A lot of people don't know that because That's she found awesome. she found period stuff. Yeah. Okay. Here in San Juan, that was in pristine condition. They had never been taken out of the boxes, and uh, and not only that, he sold it to them for 1950s prices. I mean, it was it was. I mean, she was damn. She was flabbergasted that she was pulling it out, and and uh, and so. There were these treasures, right? I the, remember those. I remember the clothes well, actually. Yeah, I remember the clothes well. I mean, you could, you couldn't find clothes like that in Los Angeles. Not even in thrift stores. They're long gone. Yeah. But here, suddenly, like a, a time it, warp. It, preserved, exactly. <laughs> preserved in the time warp is are these clothes, and it just so happens again by coincidence that that they were here in San Juan because, you know, that the theater was here and, and so forth, you know. That's so sad. Yeah, though. a lot of people don't know that story, <laughs> but so you should put it in there. I will, I will, definitely. It was, it was John Crovea's uh, <laughs> store, okay? It was, I really like John. He was, uh, again, talking about Italians, talking about, you know, that, that whole generation. And he had the liar's bench out in front of his store, and Leonard used to sit out there. And a few others used to sit out, all the old-timers at the time, right? And uh, and they, they, they looked at the teatro and they're kind of amused at the same time that they weren't sure we could be trusted. You know, <laughs> yeah. what, what were we? Were we hippies? What are we? What were, were, were radicals? I mean, what are we, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, but as time went by, they saw that we, we were not trying to harm the community, right? We were part that of we, the yeah, community. that we were really wanting to make a home here. And they saw we we're having families, having kids, they went to school, being saying <laughs> I've been to Cuba, you know, and 
Cuba is no longer 90 miles from the shore. It's, it's in San Juan Bautista, right? And, and uh, well, never mind the fact that I met Che Guevara and played baseball with Fidel, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did do those things, but I, but I, I, I'm, I wasn't going to bring well, in communism or totalitarian system, right? I, you know, I mean, quite the contrary, quite the contrary. I'm, I'm sympathetic to communists. <laughs> no. Well, even Cuba has changed. They realized oh, they man. got to have some free markets dude, happening. You dude, know? China was not communism at all. Like yeah. they're, they're pretending. You're listening to KKUP Cupertino, 91.5 FM, and streaming worldwide on kkup.org. This interview was with Luis Valdez, and and I hope that everyone who's listening (laughs) just sort of loves the sort of playfulness and the real honest, true conversation that I was able to have with him that's you know, really steeped in community. Luis Valdez and the El Teatro Campesino had been in San Juan Batista for so long and for 50 years. And, well, a little bit less than 50 years, but, and, and the community that's being trying to be built and the way that working together as writers, as editors, as people who are artists, as community members, in whatever ways that we can contribute, we're trying to contribute to the change in San Bruno County and San Juan Batista. Well, that's the show. There's there's about 15 more minutes of the show, but I'll post that on my SoundCloud, um, which you can find through if you uh, you can go to my website or you can find the SoundCloud on social media, Rochelle Escamilla, or you can go to Boatita.com and there's the SoundCloud that's linked there. Um, thank you for listening, KKUP listeners. You guys are awesome. Um, one last thing I want to say is that you're listening 